Hey, this is Joe Namath, and uh, they say it ain't easy being green. Are you ready? The New York Jets can beat anybody in the world, and I think we're going to win next Sunday. The New York Jets. I think Jet fans. Jet fans. Jet fans. Jet fans. Jet fans. Jet fans. Very passionate. Very passionate. Thank you, all you fans. They got their guy. Darnold falling to the Jets. Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold. That's such an upside. I think Jet fans. Very passionate. Brady sucks. Don't be sucks. I want a number leave. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest edition of the Ain't Easy Being Green podcast, broadcasting to you live from beautiful, amazing, picturesque Crystal Lake Studios in Putnam Valley, New York. My name is Keith Farrell. I am joined, as always, by the number one Jet fan in the state of Texas, none other than my colleague and co-host, Michael LaGarrison. Yeah, buddy. Let's get this mock draft on. And guys, you know what? The Wookiee's out there. He's an essential worker. So he's out there doing his essential work. Not able to join us right now. But I am joined in the building by the lovely Queen Bee, Tina Lee. Tina Lee, say what's up to everyone. Hi, what's up? She's going to bring her bring her football expertise, all her jet knowledge to the table today. Really fill you guys in on who she thinks is the best draft picks, who she thinks the Jets take at 11. More importantly, she's going to fill you guys in on that. Those late sleepers. Fifth, sixth, seventh round. That's where Tina really comes in, Mike. <laughs> Before we get into what we're going to talk about this week, which is what everybody wants to talk about right now, Mike, it's the NFL Draft Preview here for me, ABG. Before we get into that, which is the most tantalizing subject out there, draft coming up, so much fun. There's been no sports, Mike. There's been nothing for any of us. NFL Draft gives us a little scrappling of sports, Mike, something to watch and be excited about, especially for all of us diehard Jet fans. Before we get into that, break it down, preview it, do our mock draft. Some business with the Jets to get to, Mike. Jamal Adams, we know some of these rumblings that have come out in the media in the last couple days about his contract situation. He's going to hold out, virtual hold out, whatever the case may be, whatever the way they, they, they're phrasing it. What's going on with Jamal Adams, Mike? Do you think that any Jet fans out there listening right now, any Jet fans should be concerned at this point that he's going to hold out, this is going to be an issue, he's going to force a trade? Like It seems like some guys have had the power to do lately in the NFL. Or do you think this is much ado about nothing, media-driven, kind of something that um, is being overblown? You said a couple of shows ago, it's Corona time. Corona time is uh, it's a weird time in our nation's history, right? COVID-19, no sports, nothing. A lot of negative news out there, and people are just looking for any little thing that they could, you know, put their hat on, listen to. And, you know, right now, Jamal Adams is status quo. Jamal wants to be a Jet. Um, the GM said that they want Jamal to be a Jet. They're going to be working on the contract. They're not done with the contract. They're not. They're working on the draft right now. And uh, he mentioned that he's not going to be joining the two-hour virtual sessions. And now, all of a sudden, it's a national story. Jamal Adams is angry. There's disputes. Adam Schefter reported that uh, the safety is not expected to participate in a two-hour virtual off-season program, and that now look to Jamal Adams as a trade, potential trade suspect? What? Who? Where are you getting your, your, your no? So I understand which sector, I understand what Adam said. He's right, okay? Jamal, you know, wants to get paid, obviously, and he's not going to go to a virtual off-season program. Not, not 
regular mini camp or whatever just to, because of COVID, you know. And Adam Schefter just says, oh, look at Jamal Adams as a potential. Where does that come from? Is that just you just fanning the flames because he was a potential trade subject back during the season? Now you're just going to put that out there to fan the flames. And then you got morons like Mike Greenberg, who's a Jet fan, saying that uh, this is a holdout. How? How is this a holdout? Greenberg, and he's like, well, actually, technically, it's not. Then why put it out there? Because people hear you, you talk to the masses, you just throw those name things out there, and then it's all over the papers. Jamal, and it, you know, this is much to do about nothing. This is ridiculous. It's COVID, Corona time. Now everybody's locked yeah. in on any little thing. That's what, what it is, man. Ridiculous. That's what it is more than anything. That's what it is more than anything. And say, Mike, say that this COVID situation wasn't happening to all of us and say we were living in the normal world that we all had lived in prior to this and the off season was just proceeding how it normally would proceed. They'd obviously be having a discussion about his contract because if you look at it compared to a lot of other safeties in the league, obviously he's underpaid, but to phrase it as a holdout when you're not taking part in virtual meetings in this and that, I mean, that's a bit of a reach, isn't it? I mean, they haven't had, these aren't practices. This isn't mini camps. People can't even see each other. Jamal Adams at this point is just saying, no, I'm not taking part of that. Obviously, he's not happy with this contract situation, but I, I really do think it's just a byproduct, Mike, of the world that we're in right now and the lack of anything to talk about. But it's not just that. The Jets are uh, a joke in the national media. They always want to make the Jets the, the whipping boys. So Adam Schefter just leverages the the way the Jets are perceived, and then just... Oh, you think, Mike, you think there's an agenda there, so even a subconscious one because of the way the Jets are portrayed. It's, he he knows that the moment you there's any real trouble with the Jets, you know, he puts out something that, you know, Jamal Adams said he's not going to take part of the virtual session. So now it's, Jamal Adams not happy with his contract, he's not taking part of two-hour sessions, and now look at the Jets potentially trading him in the draft. Where are you coming up with that? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like he he says that, and then it's fine, yeah, and then crazy. Twitter goes insane. Oh, let's trade him to the Cowboys. Let's do this. Then you got Sports Illustrated. Then you got ESPN. Shut up. Okay, look, they're working on it. All right, they're working on it. He has two years left on his contract. The Jets have all the leverage, and they're gonna take care of him when it's time. Back up. And this is what I'm worried about, Mike. Is that. Jamal Adams, now he's still on that contract that he signed when he was first drafted. So he gets about three and a half every year. And you know, I mean, most guys at his level that exceed that rookie contract, they do want to get paid. It's one of those things, though, that the safety position historically isn't a position, besides the last couple years where you've seen some guys like Collins and a few of the guys like the Honey Badger. Some guys get some, some decent money that are safeties. And I do think Jamal Adams, Mike, is better than those guys. You know, I don't think anyone can really argue that. But I don't think historically that's a position that really gets a lot of money. I mean, awarded to it, especially with big-time contracts or guaranteed money. So, with the Jets do have all the leverage at this point. But I just want to throw something at you, Mike. There's 26 safeties in the NFL that make more than $5 million a year. And Jamal's set to make three and a half next year. So, I mean, you know, you have ten, you have 11 guys that make about $10 million. You have a whole bunch of other guys that make uh, between that 5 and 10 And he's going to make 3.5. So, you can understand why he has a gripe considering his skill level. It's just you can have your gripe. You just have to worry about your bargaining position. And, you know, we know we have examples of that, Mike. 
and I'm not saying they're comparable at that position. I think Jamal Adams is the best safety, but Melvin Gordon last year, right, Mike? He probably thought last year, look how good I am. Here's what I think I'm worth. Um, and he did what he did, and it didn't really work out that well because what you've seen is that um, NFL teams, all, more often than not, can wait these things out. So I don't think he's going to hold out. I don't think he's not going to play next year. You know, I think that's all kind of nuts. I agree with you 100%. And I do think, but in all, in, in the other hand, like, I do think Jamal Adams deserves, even now, if we just go ahead and lock him up now with more guaranteed money, considering how much they'll still have under the cap, even, you know, after free agency, even after they sign these free agents. I think what, what Douglas is waiting to do is to go through the draft, sign these draft picks, they're still going to have some money left over, and then they can restructure Jamal Adams' right. deal. Because he's making three and a half this year, say they want to add $10 million to a guarantee, right, Mike? They have, they're going to have way more than $10 million left under the salary cap, as you know. So they might wait till then, which is what most teams do, which is why getting angry about it now... As you just said, so eloquently makes no sense. Right, and 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 to, to exactly to your point, Joe Douglas, the most important thing to do is keep flexibility within the draft. So you don't go out and get any major free agents like Jadavion Clowney, or maybe maybe even to to your point, sign Jamal Adams to a long contract because you don't know exactly how the team is going to be structured after your draft. You say, you know, the way the draft picks fall, and you can't you don't pick up a cornerback. Well, Prince of Mukamara. Or a guy like Logan uh, that they're thinking of maybe they're like, okay, well, we're going to have to pick up another free agent to fill this hole. Or what maybe they didn't get a left hole the way they wanted, so they'll go get trade for, uh, you know, get Justin Peters or bring in, you know, the left tackle from Washington. You don't know exactly where you're going to end up and how the money. So you don't want to pigeon your hole yourself. So you go sign the free agents you need to keep yourself flexible. You go into the draft, take the best players you think, see where the where everything falls, and then choose your next moves after that because you have control of the direction after. The draft is kind of like it, it falls where it falls. So to your point. Only because I got into a little debate with my cousin recently about Jamal Adams and this and that. I just want to throw some stats out there for Jet fans. I don't think he really understood how good a player Jamal Adams was. Um, in his career, Troy, and I'm going to, this is just for an example, Mike, to put it in perspective. Troy Polamalu. I think he played he played 12 seasons. In his 12 seasons, he had 12 sacks. Jamal Adams has 12 sacks right now. He's played three seasons. I mean, in his career, Palomalu had 58 tackles for a loss in his career. Right now, Jamal Adams already has 28 tackles for a loss. So when you're talking about making an impact around the line of scrimmage, he's already he's on pace to blow Palomalu out of the water when it comes to those tackles for a loss. Sacks off, obviously, he's going to blow him out of the water. He already has the same amount of sacks. He's averaging more tackles. Interceptions-wise, Palomalu is tremendous, and that's where he's a much different player than Adams was, and that's a part of his game. Um, Adams hasn't really, you know, excelled at yet, but he's a different type of player, but I want them to pay him this year. You know, just get it out of the way, get it straightened out. Don't don't even have it be something you stress about moving forward. Like, I just think, you know, Jamal Adams is so valuable to the team in so many different ways, Mike. So many intangibles that I think, you know, you don't just give him whatever the heck he wants, but he deserves, I think, to be the highest paced safety in the league. The situation uh, kind of got heavy on me. All right, guys, so now we're going to get into a few different segments here related to the NFL Draft, the AEBG NFL Draft preview. Before we get into the mock draft, what me and Mike want to chop it up about is what our best case, if everything works out perfectly 
for the New York Jets. What is our best case scenario, especially for those beginning rounds there, um, the first three or four rounds? The end of the, the draft is kind of more of a crapshoot. There's, there's less guaranteed players there because who knows what goes on by then. But I really do want to hear Michael Agaris' dream draft scenario. Let's cue the music, the heart music. There it is right there. Dream sequence comes in. Okay, Michael, here we go. We haven't talked about it yet. We've discussed players, discussed guys we hope we draft. We've discussed offensive linemen. We've discussed wide receivers and all the shows leading up to this here and there. But we have not done an official, proper, on-point NFL draft preview. Here we go. Michael, your dream draft. How does it play out round one? Who's the guy you want? Okay, so before I start, I just want to drop with some context, some data. When choosing in the first round, position by position, offensive line has one of the highest success rates of any position drafted in the first round, meaning the player you pick usually makes it to a second and a third contract. We're talking about near 70% on the offensive line. That's the second highest under tight end. Wide receiver is one of the worst, actually, around 36 or something like that percent. So wide receivers, you could pick them in the first round. A lot of times they don't pan out to be what you thought they were going to be. That being said, Sam Darnold is our most important asset. Not a question. We want him to have protection. We want him to be able to have time to make decisions. So in my dream scenario, we lock up the best tackle on the board because tackles are more important than the inside guards and i believe that the two best the best tackle in this draft for the new york jets is either jedrick willis or andrew thomas i probably if you ask me i would take wills excuse me jedrick willis jedrick wills i would take jedrick wills over andrew thomas so they're my 1a and 1b but we're talking about a guy in Wills who is a dominant run blocker, okay? He's dominant. This is one of the best traits about him. And he's insanely athletic. So not only is he great at being a run blocker for a guy like Le'Veon Bell, but he also is very, very, very athletic. One of the most athletic tackles we have seen. And he plays with an edge, which is really good to see a guy like uh Wills when he played over there at Alabama. Now, uh, Jedrick Wills has played on the right side, but he's also able to play on the left side. And he's a guy who could immediately start for you right away. He's very good with his power and his balance and his feet. So his recovery. So once he gets like, say he gets kind of knocked over, he can recover very, very quickly. He's also very good in pass coverage. And he's, and the thing about him that's awesome is that he could play the right side too, because he did that with uh, Tua Tongvailoa. So you know, one thing that Joe Douglas stressed is the ability for the offensive line to be versatile. So I look at a guy like Jedrick Wills, and I see him overall with the best combination of floor, ceiling, talent, athleticism. And I would love for him to be the selection for the Jets. If not him, Andrew Thomas, who's the other tackle that you could take and put him right in day one and he's going to be like a DeBrickershaw Ferguson guy who's played in the SEC who has the uh, the the character and all the traits to be a tackle 
right away. Works and and Becton. Becton, remember, he just got popped on a drug test. A lot of people are in love with Becton. Don't get me wrong, because he's size and everything. And I, mean, you, I know you're going to talk about him in a second. But he just got flagged on drug tests. I don't know what the drug was, okay? But he got he got popped on the test. Yeah, exactly. And no, uh, he had never yeah. failed a drug test in college. So it's just interesting to yeah, see how that Yeah, But he's he's a guy who is. has a lot of talent. Uh, obviously a, a first round pick. And you know what? If the Jets pick Becton, I'm not gonna be upset at all. I love that pick as well. But he's somebody that has potential to take a little longer to get to the level of playing um, that elite left tackle value. Uh, not unlike a, a Wills or a Thomas. So Becton could be a little bit more of a risky play. His upside is tremendous. Could be like an absolute Hall of Fame beast. And then Werfs, really athletic guy. He played guard. Um, he's not like really a true left tackle. I'm sure he could play. He's freak, freaky athletic. But I see Becton and Werfs not as quickly as a hole filler as uh, Wills and Thomas. So that's my dream scenario in round one. I, I can't agree more with the dream scenario because Thomas, I think the best, I think the guy that's the most NFL ready right now is Thomas Mike. You know, that, that's what I think. And I think that he can come in right now and immediately he's going to elevate your team. He could come in right now. He's DeBrickashaw Ferguson for the next 10 years. You know, if they were able to get Wills, I'm not saying he's that far off. Wills is an absolute monster as well. Either of those, I mean, if we were lucky enough to get either of those guys. I mean, Wills also ran right around a 540 time. You know, and he's a monster too. 6'4", he's around 310 pounds. I know he opened whole, in the ground game, he's, he's really athletic, so... He's a beast. Either of those guys, if we were able to get those, I mean, that really is the best case scenario. And I think, the way I think the draft's going to work out, Mike, what's happened the last couple of years is you've seen teams move up to get these quarterbacks. So I do think we can guarantee ourselves three of these quarterbacks are going to go before us. I don't think Love or any of these guys is going to go before 11, but I do think we're going to see three, to, to myself, and I'm not going to give away my mock, but um, I do think we're going to see three quarterbacks go, which means if you you know if you throw in Okuda, you throw in some of the, the defensive players, you throw in some of these receivers... There's a good chance one of these big-time beast tackles will be there at 11. And I do hope, even though there's big-name receivers, Mike, and there's flashy receivers, and it'd be so nice to grab one of them, I, I hope the direction they go is exactly what you just said. Because that's something that, even though it's not sexy, it would give me super resale value even 20 years from now. That's like what drafting one of these tackles is. And um, we've proven the Jets, when the year that we drafted Brick, um, that when you draft those guys, they can be on your team and make totally an impact agree. for a really long time. The next uh, dream scenario, so... The way the strategy works is, you know, you get your left tackle and now you've protected Sam. And the next thing we really want to do for Sam, in my opinion, is get him an, a weapon, but not just any weapon, an X receiver in Adam Gase's uh, offense. Now, one of the reasons why I wanted to go tackle in the round one is... In my opinion, this is just me. I'm not saying that Joe Douglas is thinking this, but if Joe, if Adam Gase ends up getting fired, a left tackle or a tackle will translate value better to a newer coach than a receiver that's specifically uh, picked for a certain coach. Right. So that's why that's how that's my also yeah, thought yeah, there. Yeah, and I got you. In the second round, and because of the depth at receiver, so the receiver is not only valued with 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 talent, but it's also depth. There's a couple of guys here in the second round that I would be in heaven if we were able to draft. And I'm sure I haven't made, you know, my, I'm sure my points have been made very strongly on this show. So everybody knows that I'm in love with Denzel Mims. I, th 
I think this kid. Love I think this kid is going to be an absolute savage in the NFL because of his ability to as a high point catcher. He he can run on anybody. He he can dominate almost any cornerback. Okay, and he can catch the ball at its highest peak. He's like a like the way Hopkins goes up and grabs the ball. That's what this type of guy does, and he also uh, tested his combine numbers were just off the world. You know, if you go back and look at his year this last year, he had a thousand twenty yards and twelve tees. You know, I remember the eye test is important. I would I would ask anybody go and to YouTube, put in Denzel Mim highlights, and just sit back. This cat's gonna be a savage. I'm telling you now. I don't think he's gonna be. I don't think he's gonna be there. Yeah. I don't. I think he'll go either in the late first round, so? early second. The other guy I would love to have is a guy named Just Justin Jefferson. I know you've spoken about this guy too, Keith. You know, we all saw what this guy did when he was in the, uh, the you know the national championship game. This dude, huge catch radius. You know, he excels in holes. Uh, in finding holes and in coverages, and he's really reliable for cute quarterbacks. Mike, he had 1,500 yards and 18 touchdowns. I'm, I'm telling you, this dude, yeah, 15, yeah, 15, 15, 40, and 18. It, it, unreal numbers. Real, real numbers. And and so I don't think he'll be there either. But we're talking dream scenario, right? I don't think he'll be there. I think I think he's going to go in the first round. Don't be surprised, the guy, uh, a team, and you'll don't. Don't kill me for saying this. Don't be surprised a team like the Cowboys at 18 don't break him to be with. Oh, you think so? That high? Yeah, this I've been hearing oh, a lot about okay. this kid. Okay, so I'm just saying he could go that high. Mike, what do you think about, and this is what I was considering, is down there when we draft at 48, I think Claypool is going to still be I out. think so too. Now, there's a... Now, I know, I know, you know, Claypool might not be as polished as some of these other guys, but 6'4", he's 240, he ran a... Four four. I don't know. That's a monster. Yeah. Right no. There. Claypool. And Claypool. If, and every and every year in ND two, his stats got better and better every single. He's season. your prototype again. What we're what my strategy, my dream scenario is. I'm trying to fill the X receiver. I'm not trying to fill the Z. I'm not trying to fill the Y. Right. I'm not trying to fill the Y yeah, or the Z. Yeah, I'm I trying to fill the that. X. And Chase Clay, Clay, Chase Claypool, Justin Jefferson, Denzel Mims. All would be able to do that. And yet to your point, Chase Claypool has this size. He has the ability. He's very good at running routes. Um, his his catch radius is solid. So I, I, he's a guy that I really like. But the other guy that they're talking about, Keith, and I'm coming more onto him as every time I hear, is Michael Pittman Jr. And I don't know if you've read about this guy from USC who has some rapport with Sam Darnold, but he has size, large frame, surprise movement skills he's good at beating press right on the line he's reliable at, at, at catching passes very few drops and he's also another one a high point catcher using his body well to box out cornerbacks to grab balls you know that this guy you know we were all pissed off that we lost Robbie Anderson uh, because of the report with Sam Darnold, that was the narrative. Well, this guy knows Sam and actually worked out in the offseason with him. So him, Chase, Jefferson, Mims are my dream scenario 
for the X receiver spot in round two. And I think that's where I think that's where they're going to be looking, hopefully, in round two. Because I don't know. There's probably corners that you can get at the same level, which we're going to talk about in a second further down in round three. I do hope they just go out and grab a weapon for Sam round two. Because there was a bunch of these wide receivers out there. There's probably about a dozen. or I mean, I can, When you look at most rankings, Mike, you see about 14 or 15 guys that, that people think could go in the first three or four rounds. That's a lot mm -hmm. of receivers. So Claypool's out there. If, if, if Rieger's out there from TCU, who a lot of people like, he's more of a Tyreek Hill type receiver. Not the type of receiver you're talking about, but a really fast guy. Not as fast as Tyreek Hill, but that type of receiver. Mm. I mean, that would be tremendous. Now, when we get into the third round, Mike, if you're going you're going straight up dream situation, who do you see the Jets adding the 68th pick there, fourth pick of the third round? Thank you, New York Giants. So, Jet fans know the most valuable draft the Jets have had probably in our lifetimes Maybe, you know, besides Sam Darnold, I'm not talking about Sam Darnold, I'm talking about back in, you know, back in the day earlier, was probably the 2006 draft when the New York Jets selected DeBrickashaw Ferguson and Nick Mangold. That duo lasted for a decade, okay? Our success in 2008, 2009, 2010, and even early in that 2006, 2007 timeframe, a lot of it was predicated off those two picks. And I'm not saying that we're gonna be able to get a center to, of the ilk of, of, of the Nick Mangold, but I would, I would pivot back to the offensive line to try to find my future center and shore up that line going forward. So the Ravens do it. That's how the, this, the New Orleans Saints have been doing it over there with Drew Brees. Very, very, very important. So for me, a guy like Lord, uh, Lloyd Cushenberry third, this center, I love this guy. One of the main reasons why I really like him is he was in a pass-happy offense. He's used to having a and he's, he has a lot of experience with that. So that'll help him in the NFL. He's really good on one-on-one. -on -one. He's a mauler. And he relies his he really sinks in when he's grabbing on when, when he's protecting in on that line. So and he's very very strong uh, at at the center position. So I really think that a guy like this would be excellent for the New York Jets because you would take McGovern and move him to guard, and then you'd have your center, your tackle, and then you have McGovern as that veteran voice who is good and understands how to keep synchronicity, you know what I'm saying? And then you got your other pieces that you picked up and then you just move forward with that line. The other guy would be Matt Hennessy, who could play guard or center. And his brother happens to be on our team, Hennessy on the punter. So uh, I really like I really like Christian Berry and I like Hennessy if they're there early in the third to really shore up that offensive line for the New York Jets. And I've been saying this the entire offseason that all I want them to do is load up on offensive line. I think if they go offensive line in the first round and then you factor in the moves they've made this offseason, Mike, I don't think that's the way they're going to go, but I do hope it's the way they go. I mean, there's so many other, there could be a bunch of offensive linemen that are still floating around out there, even if, you know, even if they don't take a center. You know, even if they take a guy that's not, even if they take another just top monster out there, if they take Pert from Connecticut, if they take any of these guys that might float down around one or two, Adams from Washington who's another 6'8", 318 monster, he's a tackle, but there's a lot of guys, they, they have a lot of guys, Mike, on the team right now that are very flexible, so I think that if they get to the second round and there's still a high value offensive lineman out there, mm -hmm. that's who they're going to grab. Um, I think also one place they're going to be looking 
when we get her to the third round, Mike, mm. is cornerback. You know, you know Akuda's going to be gone by this third round. Fulton will probably be gone. Henderson will be gone. Diggs will be gone. But a guy like Gladney from TCU, who a lot of people like, a lot of swagger. He's a guy that I think would be really good addition to the team, considering the the type of coach that that we have on defense which is a guy who loves swagger, who loves someone that plays like him. And, you know, so you start getting to a crapshoot here. Um, I just hope they don't take, I just hope they don't waste the pick. I hope they do take the highest value guy, and I do, they do hope they do a go offensive lineman. But I think right here they might be looking secondary because um, even though last year we kind of were able to overcompensate with not the most amazing talent, I think it is somewhere we can use a huge talent upgrade, Mike. I agree with you. If there's only really one cornerback that I would really like to have here in that first third round range, I don't think he's going to be there. He's played on the Mississippi State Bulldogs named Cameron Danzler. Cornerback, very tall. Good, yeah, but Mike, quick. he's, because of his 40, and he's the guy that I was right. hoping they didn't draft. His 40 time kind of sunk him because it's like a 4-6, you know, which, yes. which doesn't tell you everything. And I do think realistically he'll be there. I think he'll be there when we when we pick there in the third round because I think that forty time hurt him big time. The the forty time hurt. That's why I think that drop him to the third. But if but a guy like this with his size, like he's another guy. Remember what we talked about? Yeah, with he's six two. Yeah, he's tall. Yeah, he's like, he's, he's right, 6'2", He's like six two one ninety. Yeah, right. I I love cornerbacks like that because those guys like you know this like when we're watching right. Corner, as long as you're – why Revis was so good was he was able to stay with his receiver. And then when the ball was there, sometimes he really didn't – he maybe didn't get there before the ball. But he was so with the, the receiver that he would mess up that receiver's concentration. And uh, you know what I'm saying? So those lengthy quarterback cornerbacks, those taller ones, some of those guys that have really good awareness, like this guy who has really, really good awareness – has high-end ability in the zone because of his movement skills and awareness. Guys like that, I really like them at the next level. So, yes, um, you know, could he hopefully he can improve his speed because speed is extremely important to your point. Um, but a guy like this, I don't know. We'll see. It's, again, it comes to crapshoot to me. That's why, you know, here I, want, I would rather go with a place where I know I or I potentially could get better value in the offensive line. But to, if one of these cornerbacks are there and Joe Douglas thinks it, it's a good fit, go ahead, pull the yeah. trigger. Another third round pick, Mike, 11 picks later, the 15th pick of the third round, 79th overall. This is a spot where how I'm looking at this draft is the Jets are going to go offensive line at the beginning. This is what I hope. And we're talking about best case scenario yeah. for each of us. Yeah. This is what we're kind of hoping, right? I hope they go offensive line. I hope we get Andrew Thomas in the first one. That would be tremendous. I hope we get Claypool or one of the other receivers you mentioned, Mike, that's really good, or Rieger, or one of these guys that could really be a difference maker to go along with Perryman, to go along with Crowder next year, to go along with our tight ends. Um, I do hope in the third round they grab us a corner. But when we come here to the second pick in the third round, I hope they go back to wide receivers. Yes. Mike, there's no reason not to double dip. And this is a spot Mims could still be here at this pick. Mims? And I'm not saying to take a chance. This is someone that say you didn't get Mims at 68. If he's here at 79, that's a no-brainer to me. Edwards from South Carolina, if he's here, I'm at 79, 6'3", 212, 4, 5, 40, pretty good player. There's a bunch of receivers that that if they slide here, if we especially if we don't take one in the second or third, especially if we don't take one with our 48th or the 68th pick, you have to take one here to me. But I do hope what they do here, Mike, is add that second receiver. A guy like Mims, a guy like Edwards. Um, if they say Pittman hadn't gotten taken yet, he could even be out Ooh. here um, in this range still, Mike, because he's somebody that 
the where he's projected is kind of a little bit all over the place. So there's a bunch of receivers that when we get to this spot will still be there, and I hope we add a second. I absolutely agree. We should absolutely add a second one here. I would love to double dip because of the depth. I will say this: there are mocks out there with Denzel Mims going as high as in the teens. So I. If let's just say at 48 with our second round pick, Mims is there at 48, I would be floored. I would be floored if he was there, to be honest with you. I really would that I would go nuts if that was the case. Um, but if he is there, obviously I think they should take him. But a guy like Van Jefferson, Van Jefferson's father coaches on the New York Jets. I think a guy like that who played at Florida, who had he had about 700 yards, six touchdowns, but he's you know, Florida really didn't have the best offensive line, uh, you know, and best scenario there. But he has savvy release to break press. He has awesome footwork. He's a sharp route runner. Um, and I think he's going to get a really good chance in the NFL. He battled hard against LSU uh, um, in that game against really good cornerback uh, play. So I think with his dad there, too, I think that's that could be a really good pick there if he's available there in that second, third. Brian Edwards, to your point before, Brian Edwards should be a first-round pick. You never know where guys are going to get grabbed up. I have not seen that many projections that have him in that first. It's mostly usually... No, no, he's not He's not there because yeah, he no, got no, hurt. No. The injury before the end of the season he, yeah. is what kind of, kind of flunk him. Yeah. But you still think... It, teams don't like to invest in guys that have that late injury in the season. But I would still think just yep. the size and the measurables with him and the stats he put up, he'd be someone a team would take yep. a chance on. But I think he might still be there third or fourth round. I agree. And if he's... Let me tell you something. If we walked away... With Denzel Mims or Jefferson and Brian Edwards, I would. <laughs> and Mike, one thing I just want to. Like, hey, that's my dream scenario. Dream scenario, we get cushion, we get the tackle, we get the center, and then we get those two beast receivers? Oh, my I just want to say one thing to put it in perspective, because we're, we're talking about um, pick 79 here. The reason I think a guy like Mims could still even be available here this late, last year, DK Metcalf, he got taken 64th overall. So, yeah. I mean, it's, it's like DK Metcalf is a better prospect than Mims on paper. So, that's why I think considering how deep this wide receiver class is, factor that in, he could still yeah. be here, Mike. I know you might think no, it's, it's crazy, but just think about it. Last year, Metcalf, was he's a monster. Way bigger prospect with a higher, you know, uh, blue chip level than Mims. Even though Mims is tremendous, don't get me wrong. Size is tremendous, too. You added how many good receivers there are in this draft. Mike, don't think it's crazy. He could still be out here come this 79th pick. You know, and to, to, I like this one thing you said. Because of the the depth of the receiver, there maybe we're judging, we're, we're, we're overlooking that. Um, GMs may say, you know what? There's not a lot of safeties. There's not a lot of uh, linebackers. There's not a lot of offensive linemen or whatever. Let's go grab the guys we want to get. And by the time we get to the third, there's going to be receivers. There's Ayuk. There's, you know what I'm saying? And maybe, and to your point, so maybe receiver, they're just kind of, kind of wait. And, and, and maybe some of these guys that we think that are impossible to fall, like a Mims or a Jefferson, end up being in And the you top see that happen, Mike, years that a position is stacked, which you see, especially with wide receiver, because if you look at where wide receivers and running backs are taken in the draft, you, ha you have your guys like Elliott, you have your guys like Fournette, you have your tremendous um, talents that are outliers that do get drafted really high, don't get me wrong, 
but it's not like when we grew up, you know, so dudes like Metcalf get taken 64th, where when we went to the draft last year, everyone's like, oh my god, is Metcalf gonna be a top 10 pick? He got taken 64th, so add into the fact that people might do what you just said and say, alright, people might keep thinking, alright, there's so many receivers, I don't need to take one in yeah. first, I don't need to take one in yeah. the second, and I think the third, there's gonna be a run. And that we have the fourth pick, and we have the we have the fourth, and we have the fifteenth pick there in that third round. Yeah, yeah. So I think yeah. that fifteenth pick, that's a perfect spot for us to get some big time value on another receiver and another weapon for Sam. All right, man. I hope they. I hope that works. Let's let's see. That's the dream scenario. And the last thing I want to say real quick before we go to our mock, and I don't want to tell you this because you know you you know we have a fantasy league and everything like that. A yeah, because because you know my scouting department is not. I like already mine. know the machines. I already know the machines. All right. Okay. AJ okay. Dillon. I would love them to draft this running back out of Boston College in the fifth or sixth round. Okay. This kid, most powerful, compact runner in the entire class. Okay. Good. Vi- Have you seen this kid's tape? I don't. Yo, he's a sleep. Yo, this is the Jedi sleeper. Now I know I'm gonna say it. It's gonna get out there. Jedi sleep eight. Also, Mike Dylan. He's son. six feet. He's two hundred and fifty pounds. <laughs> I know. I what? Mean, he's the... like Brandon Jacobs, but like better. Like yeah, he's like a he's more like even he's like a Jerome Bettis. Yes. A shorter, you know. Yes. Can you imagine if we get this kid and we got Bell and this beast behind him? Oh yes. No, that's that's... We don't. We don't. And we, he ran a four five, so you know that's 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 really good speed for someone that yes. size. That's ridiculous. Yes. And you know, one guy. I want to throw a Jet fan to throw away in their minds. They might not think about, and I was mentioning this to you earlier, Mike, is, you know, we don't have a legitimate backup quarterback right now. Yeah. We don't have a viable option behind Sam right now. Mike, we, you know, you've seen projections with Jalen Hurts um, all the way from the third round all the way to the sixth or the seventh round. Yes. Everything, you know, because... He's somebody that won a ton of games in Alabama, put up a, some good stats in Oklahoma. His Wonderlick wasn't that great. We're going to talk about Wonderlick scores in a second, Mike. But later in the draft, if he's around in that fifth round, you know, by that point, by the fifth round, we already have five picks before that round. So we're, we're going to be able to really get some value and shore up some holes before that. And I think backup quarterback is a hole. And getting somebody like Jalen Hurts, different type of quarterback, but he's somebody that if Sam didn't play a game, I think could come in and play decent enough to move the chains, different type of player, but um, I do think that's someone to file away in your minds because I do think there's a chance we go ahead and grab ourselves a backup quarterback in that fifth or the sixth round. Jalen Hurst, would be, if he was there in the fifth, I would absolutely want the Jets to take him uh, to be the backup to Sam. I don't think that's going to be the case. I think he's probably going to go somewhere in the second round, maybe, you know, I think the Patriots like him a lot, from what I heard. You think Jalen Hurts? You think he's going in the second round? I've seen mocks with him even going in the first. He's everywhere. Like I told you, he's everywhere. And and the thing about him is his ability to scat and spread the like kind of like a Lamar Jackson ish type, but also has the ability to throw. And from what I've seen, the Saints and the Patriots really like him. Uh, we'll see what happens. You're right. He could fall. I don't know where he's going. I, I really don't. So, if he's there in the yeah, fifth, he, he's not. I don't think he's he's not going in the first or the second round. I don't. I don't, I don't think. Look, look. Uh, he'll probably be the fifth quarterback off the board uh, with uh, Love and uh, the other three, Tungvaluwa and Burrow. Because and... yo, he didn't come in. 
Now, I, I know these things, you have to look at these things with a grain of salt, Mike. His Wonderlook test wasn't, his Wonderlook test was an 18, which is average. Tua got a 13 on it. But Lamar Jackson also yeah, got a 13. But 13 is, 13 so, is scary. So, I mean, me and you like a good Wonderlick. Um, Herbert got a 25, which is good. Love got a 27, which is really good. Burrow came in with a 34, which when you put the stats in the And I've seen some takes. I've seen some takes that I think are lazy um, from some some of these uh, analysts out there. And they're like, oh, a Wonderlick doesn't mean anything. Well, actually, it kind of does. You know, when it comes to quarterback, an it, when you have a quarterback that needs to quickly identify uh, a defense and then figure out a way to make a play or audible to counteract that scheme, defensive scheme, you know, you need to be able to process information, understand, and then execute. And that takes a mental aptitude. And some guys, if they don't have that ability, they may end up becoming a hindrance in the, on, the, in the, on the football field. And so a wonderlick, I understand, I agree that it, it's not the biggest, most important, but if you're scoring like a six, like Vince Young, that's a flag for me. Yeah, I'm looking at the Vegas odds right now on Hurts, and the odds look like he's third-round guy. When it comes to Mike, when it comes to the Wonderlick, what you have to do is factor in the type of quarterback you're talking about. So, so if it's a guy who's a pocket quarterback in college, and then his Wonderlick isn't great, you're like, well, his decision making needs to be really quick in the NFL because he doesn't have the physical tools to overcome that. Uh, you got to take it with a grain of salt, but it is nice to see somebody say you say you had any questions about somebody like Burrow, intelligence-wise, or whatever the case may be. I mean, a 34 is nice to see for him. But let's get into it, Mike. You want to get into this mock? Madness. Let's get in the mock madness. Give you a little mini 11 pick mock draft. What we think is going to go down here real quick, and then we're going to sign out for the day. Check back in with everyone after the draft. Of course, we'll be with CJ and the Weapon Todd podcast live Thursday, Mike, during the draft. If anyone wants to hear us, we'll be rocking out with those guys. But let's do it. 2020, Keith and Mike, Mock Madness, let's go. Mock Draft, Mock Draft, Mock Draft. All right, here we go. We have a host to help us, a wonderful, beautiful host to help us with Mock Madness this year, Tina. So I've decided I we're going to do a coin toss to decide who's going to go first. Okay, go ahead. Okay, so wait. I'll call it since I'm in person right, with you. Ready? Yep. Call it. Heads. Heads it is. Heads it is. All right, it's that moment everyone's been waiting for, the Mock Draft. We're going to start off with the Cincinnati Bengals for the number one pick. And Keith, you're up. Start off Mock Madness with the first pick. I think our first pick is going to be the same pick, Mike. We don't have to get too much into it. I don't think you're going to variate from what I think. Joe Burrow, LSU, kind of a no-brainer. The stats from last year at LSU were completely insane, off the charts. Um, I don't think there's any other selection the Bengals can make except taking Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow has that mental aptitude. He had probably one of the greatest years of any college quarterback last year. My biggest issue with him is he only had really one year of production. He has average arm strength. I'm not a, a Burrow believer in that. I think he's going to be like an Andrew Luck or somebody like that. Like a lot of people are really, really high on him. They think he's going to be a, a you know, no doubt you know prospect. I sent you a... a text a couple of days ago with um, Todd McShay's breakdown who says he believes Sam Darnold is actually more talented of a quarterback than a guy like Joe Burrow. So, you heard that, Jet. You heard it here, Jet fans. That, that's what McShay Joe said. Joe Burrow, that, so. 65 total touchdowns last year at LSU. 
Still, he thinks Sam is a better prospect. I like it. Stick by it, McShane! But I he'll be the first pick, and I don't think the Bengals are going to trade out of it. I think they're going to make it, and they're going to move on. I know that the Redskins have struggled for years trying to find a quarterback, and I don't think that Haskins really is the answer, but I will say that when a coaching staff does not give a prospect a real chance at being good, you don't really have that time to evaluate that prospect, and I think that's what's happened to Haskins because the coaching staff wanted to win, and they had him as the third quarterback, didn't give him a lot of reps. He got in there, he stunk it up, but at the end of the season, he started showing a little bit. I think Ron Rivera is going to get in there. He's going to get time to go look at what Haskins is all about. I think that he knows that he has Cam Newton in his back pocket if he decides that he wants to bring in a guy like Cam Newton. Um, also, they have their Alex Smith. Yeah, yeah, Alex Smith, who's coming back from a major injury, uh, is another guy who is an option still, who has money tied up with this Washington Redskins cap. So they've got a lot of issues there. And if they were to go with Tua, who has that injury concern, um, that would just kind of muddy the waters. Here they're going to go with Chase Young. I mean, Chase Young is supposedly the best prospect ever at edge ever even better than Bosa and both Bo the Bosa brothers like he has the technique that the Bosa brothers have athletic specimen uh, speed to power he's elite and the other thing is you already know the owner over there in Washington loves hype cast so he's gonna want to get a guy like this to go hunt down you know the Daniel Joneses of the world and the Dax of the world so I really do see the Washington Redskins going with the safe and the correct pick in Chase Young. Uh, Keith, what about you? What's your uh, number two pick for the Redskins? I agree with Mike 100%. I don't, I don't think they have to go any other direction besides this. I mean, the question would be, do they immediately replace Haskins? The precedent was set with Josh Rosen being a scrub Mike and getting replaced immediately. But I don't think you're going to do that. I think you got to go Chase Young here. If he's the best prospect and as long as Mike said, it's kind of a no-brainer concerning their defense and where they were last year defensively. 16 and a half sacks for him last year. The guy was a monster, especially at the end of the season. 6'5", 265. So that's a big-time prospect. I think the Washington Redskins are going to go ahead and select Chase Young with the number two overall pick of the draft. And I think the next pick... I think me and Mike will also agree on If you think you guys agree on it, what's your number three pick for the Detroit Lions? Mike, I think the Lions, considering they traded away Slay, got a big old hole there at cornerback. I think the Lions are going to take Okuda from Ohio State. I think he's the best cornerback in the draft. I know they have Trufant, but that's a big-time hole for them. And I think going to the draft here, it's going to be Burrow 1, Young 2, and I think Okuda's coming off the board here to the Detroit Lions, number three. Yeah, I agree with you. Now, remember, AEBG fans, we're doing a mock draft without trades. I think there's a very strong possibility that there will be a trade here with either the Miami Dolphins or the San Diego Chargers or another team that moves up to come get Tua. That's what I think is potentially could happen here. But sticking to the board... Yeah, this is the most likely spot that would happen. I agree with you 100%. Me and Mike are just doing a straight-up mock. We're not going to do trades because who the hell knows. But if there is a trade, Mike, this seems like the it seems like the Lions to be the most likely landing spot for one of those teams. Yes, agreed. And so, but I agree with you. If they stick here, Slay leaving, you know, they get a cheaper, maybe better prospect here in Jeff Okuda, Ohio State Buckeyes, top cornerback, best coverage corner in the entire class. This is a blue chip prospect, easy pick. Completely agree with you. All right, so it sounds like you guys do agree. So then what about number four pick? What's your number four pick for the New York Giants? So I think that finally Gettleman is going to do the right thing, and he's going to make the right pick here. 
And I really believe that he's going to end up going with Jedrick Wills, offensive tackle. Um, I think that the number one and two assets for the New York Giants, Daniel Jones and Barkley, um, they, he's going to want to leverage talent to help those two. And because, like we talked about him being a dominant run blocker, being athletic, being very smart, intelligent, and being able to play anywhere on that line, I think this is going to be the pick for the New York Giants, and I'm pretty confident that it is going to be the pick for the New York Giants, unfortunately for the New York Jets. The thought process I agree on so far as the approach and what they need to do in making the wise, prudent pick for the team, just the player I think is going to be different. I think they're going to take Wurfs. I think Wurfs is the guy that came out of this, especially after that combine where he had the all-time vertical jump record and you know the broad jump tied the all-time record for offensive linemen. You consider his 40 time the type of prospect he is. I also think the Giants are going offensive line. I just think Wirfs um, is kind of, to me now, has come out of this with the smoke clearing as the biggest no-brainer guy you can plug in and might you might get seven or eight Pro Bowls from. So I think that's the way the Giants are going to lean in this. Yeah, I can absolutely see that as well. I just took Wills just because I think he's the best prospect, but Werfs is... Yeah, no, it's a, Mike, it's a coin yeah. toss. It's a, it's a coin flip. And you have, you have three of these guys. Say, for instance, the Giants took Thomas. You wouldn't be that surprised, right? Mm-hmm. So it wouldn't blow your mind just because of the way that the, these these three of the top four offensive linemen are, are ranked near each other. So I don't I don't think I don't think Wills is a bad pick, and I, I think Worfs isn't a bad pick either. Okay, yeah, I I got you. All right, Mike. So I I do think the Dolphins have been putting up a smoke screen, or at least if they don't trade up and this plays out straight, Mike, I think the Dolphins stay here, and I think they take two. That's what I think. I think I know there's injury concerns too. I totally understand that, and that's something you have to factor in. I just don't think he's going to play the same exact type of football as he played at Alabama in the pros. I don't think he needs to play that same type of way to be successful because he actually was pretty accurate when he slanged the ball, Mike. And it's college football, so when the stats are stats, you take them with a grain of salt in college football. I totally understand that. But I think the Dolphins right here, the grab into a... And I think they're going to really, I, I think they're going to move on with Rosen. They're going to have Fitzpatrick maybe play this year. If Tua can't come into the season 100%, they're going to wait it out. And that's going to be the quarterback they go with. I know you're not that high on Herbert, Mike, but all, all injury concerns aside, I think obviously it's a no-brainer. Dolphins are going to take care. I think that's somebody that we're going to have to contend with here uh, in the AFCs for a while. So I have a good friend of mine who's a Miami Dolphin fan, and I asked him straight up. Who are the Dolphins taking? He's locked into the Dolphins like how you and me are locked into the Jets. And he said that he is deathly afraid that they're going to take Justin Herbert. He said that all a Dolphin nation wants to. They all are screaming. They're on the blogs and everything like that. Now, the inside is that the owner wants Tua. The GM wants Herbert. And the coach wants to trade up for Burrow. (laughs) They're not going to get Burrow. (laughs) Um, Even though I know the GM wants Herbert And Herbert's the smarter quarterback According to the Wonderlick And he's the guy who Herbert's, you know, taller And, you know, has the uh, the, All the traits that you want to look for In a quarterback as far as, you know, whatever I I just don't understand And I understand the, uh, the injury issue with Tua But Tua is just a better prospect And if you're going to choose a quarterback at that place you're going to pick to a tongue of Iloa. if they went herbert i would be stunned and 
I, I just would, you know, now who knows? Like, they went Daniel Jones with five, you know, the, the, the Giants did. So you never know what how these teams are. They, they've done a lot of work into Herbert. A lot of the draft analysts have the, the Dolphins taking Herbert. But I just think, to your point, I think they're going to take Tua, and they're just going to move on, and they're going to have Tua and Rosen battle for the number two. And if, if Tua can't go because of injury, they'll put him on you know IR, and then Rosen will just be the backup. And then next year, they'll go into camp with Rosen and Tua battling for the number one spot. And that's how they're going to do it. Rosen is kind of like the risk, um, the other player that they can choose if there's injury issues with Tua. That's how I look at it. So, Mike, now I want to ask you about the number six pick, which is the Los Angeles Chargers. <laughs> I, I lived in L.A. for her. <laughs> yeah, she's from L.A. She, she feels like she has West to Coast girl. Yeah, you, you're the, actually one of the only fans they have. So it's nice to Yo, cheer for them like that. <laughs> they don't. They don't have a great fan base. It's not. It's not your fault. But Mike, what do you think? What do I'm you, a Jets fan now. Let's remember that. Oh, that's known. You would not be sitting here next <laughs> to me hosting this, Mike. What do you think? Uh, number six pick in the draft, Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, I think out. the Chargers are going to end up going. I'm. I'm gonna. I'm gonna take a pick here that's kind of out of the box. Um, but I think they're going to go Jordan Love here, and I think they're going to go Jordan Love quarterback uh, out of Utah State. Now, Jordan Love is not as polished as a guy like Herbert, okay? But Jordan Love has has ability that he can make every throw on the field. He has very good touch on his deep balls, and he has tremendous athleticism. And they've said that this guy is like a poor man's Mahomes. And I feel like they're comfortable with Tyrod as their quarterback and would be a good mentor for a guy like Love. And I could see the coach and GM there all buy in here and say, you know, Love isn't going to be the guy in 2020, but we can see him being the starter here in 2021. And even though it is a higher pick, I think from where they are and what they need, he's the guy that they would take here and, and, and move on. That's just my opinion. Now, I know a lot of people aren't into that, but I could just, I don't know why. I just feel like that's if they're going to go quarterback and Tua's not there, that's where they would go. I think they are going to go quarterback. I mean, J- Jordan Love is a very intriguing prospect because you've heard so much positive buzz about him. But, I mean, when people try to, t- uh, you know, kind of criticize Herbert, you look at the stats. And his stats, he crushes Jordan Love's stats. They're not comparable statistically players. I mean, crushes his stats. Last year, Love had 20 passing touchdowns, 17 interceptions. So that doesn't blow you away. Not not saying he's not a better prospect. That doesn't really mean everything sometimes. But I'm, I'm interested to see how this works out. Because I do think when it comes to the Chargers, they are going to take quarterback. But I think they're taking Herbert and Mike if he's there at 6. I think they really, really think they can just slide him in. Um, 6'6", 236. He, he's somebody that... One thing that's interesting is that last year he had about the same amount of attempts as the previous season, Mike. But he had more yards more touchdowns, less interceptions, a higher quarterback rating, a higher average pass, but that last game of the season didn't play great in the Rose Bowl, um, so a lot of people kind of downplayed him. I, I don't I don't see it as much as other people. I think he's going to be a really good player in the NFL and be a, be a good quarterback, so I think this is kind of a guy that they're going to grab him at number six. I can absolutely see that, and that's probably the safer pick. You know, I just feel like if there is going to be something here that's kind of juicy, um, that I could potentially see, I could see the Chargers going love over Herbert and Herbert falling. But 
if they take Herbert, completely see it. But I, to your, I still think they're going to go quarterback here because that's what they need. Mike, coming in here with the Panthers now, we just had we just had Lou Keekley retire on the Panthers. They've lost some other really good defensive players in the last few years uh, in the linebacking core. I think that's somewhere they're lacking the most. And I think coming into this pick, that's a team that, say, Herbert slipped to them. Maybe they take a quarterback, Mike. You never know. Maybe they move up and try to get him. But I think here is, is a good spot for them to take a linebacker. And I think they're good. the Panthers take Isaiah Simmons, Clemson, linebacker, 6'4", 238. You run a 4'4", in the combine, Mike. 4.39 in the combine. One of the faster linebackers out there. Probably, the, to me, he's the best linebacker in the draft. I think that's who the Panthers are going to grab, number seven. If there is a team that's going to take Simmons in the top 10, it would be the Panthers or it would be the Giants. I think my hot take is that Simmons will fall out of the top 10. And I think that because of positional value, if you look at Simmons, he is a freak, but he play, what is he? Is he a safety or is he a linebacker? And when you look at the safeties and linebackers of the past drafts, guys like Derwin James, you know, you had Jamal Adams, but is he really as good as a Jamal Adams as a safety? I wouldn't think he's that good at that level. Like Jamal Adams was one of those guys that they said, this kid is going to be a generational player. And obviously he is. Um, but a Simmons, he's very, very talented. But, but from a value standpoint on field, I feel like the Panthers would go Derrick Brown here and get a steal, really, with Derrick Brown, defensive tackle. Um, and I think that uh, his size and uh, his him being an interior disruptor are really some things that Carolina is going to be wanting to look for to improve their defensive line. Um, uh, he could play really anywhere along that D-line and always usually requires uh, uh, double teams. So... I just think, I understand they lost Keekly. Very rarely are you going to get a guy like Keekly. And I think that from a positional value standpoint, they're going to go with the better talent, which is uh, uh, the better impact positional player, which is Derek Brown. And a guy like Isaiah Simmons is actually going to fall out of the top 10. I could be wrong. That's my hot take. All right. Well, now we're moving on to number <laughs> <laughs> We're getting closer to the end, guys. Now we're at number eight pick, the, the uh, Arizona Cardinals. Mike, what's your pick? So my pick here will be Tristan Wirfs, offensive tackle. Now Pete already had Wills. I think they're definitely going tackle. The fact that they went and got Hopkins um, solidified to me the fact that they're going to go tackle here. They need it. Their offensive line, uh, they need to protect their young quarterback and, and their offense. So I think here they're going to go worse because um, they're really looking to fill in that right tackle spot and have a guy who can play along the line. Worfs is very, very athletic. So I see Worfs as uh, as the best pick for the Arizona Cardinals here at number eight. Yeah, and I think they're going to go attack. No, please, I didn't mean to interrupt you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mike, I think here at number eight, they're also going to go tackle. I think they're going to take Wills here. Um, Alabama, all the reasons that you've already mentioned earlier. Played right tackle when he was at Alabama, but that's because Tua was, you know, lefty. So I think he easily played left tackle in the NFL. I think that Arizona's going to come and scoop him here, get a big old beast to protect their boy. Just, just a different offensive lineman, you think. To same, same type, same uh, strategy. I totally agree. I would say I totally agree also, but I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. 
So for the number nine pick, we've got the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now, I think here, Mike, uh, this is where Brown's going to go, Derek Brown, for, you know, you just mentioned how much of a monster he is. A little bit taller, but kind of a guy that in college, his skill set and what he was able to do um, in the last couple of years, very similar to the reasons we drafted Quinnen, the reason we drafted Q, disruptor, help with the run for the Jaguars, who really need some help in that area. They're not as good of a defense as they, they used to be, lost a lot of guys. Big time character guy, too, in college, really, really good person on the field, off the field. I think this is a guy who is a beast. I think if he goes at seven, Mike, um, that's logical. But I think if he's here at nine, this is kind of a no-brainer. The Jaguars scoop him up to me. Strategy-wise, I agree with you. They lost Calais Campbell, who was a crazy huge presence there in the trenches. And I think they're going to be wanting to replace him. And the guy I've got is defensive tackle Javon Kinlaw out of South Carolina. And uh, I think because of his bend, his twitch, athleticism, his ability to play against top competition, he has edge presence. I think that he's going to be the pick here for the Jacksonville Jaguars at number nine. If not, this is also a prime position, and I want everybody to listen to this, prime position for a team to trade up, okay, and pass the Jets and pass the, the Browns to go get a tackle. So look yeah, to number yeah, nine. Yeah. You definitely see maybe one of these teams moving up. You could even see the – who knows? You could even see the Jets move up. So, Mike, you don't have Herbert going here in this top 11 then. Okay, very interesting. Very interesting, Michael Lagares. Yes, interesting. Those are excellent picks. I, my my two cool. big falls, <laughs> I think, just like Haskins last year, you know, we were all thinking Haskins was the number one. And he fell all the way 15. People were like, I think Herbert's going to fall just like that. All right, so we're moving on to number 10. We're getting one step closer to finding out what your picks are for the Jets. But now we've got the number 10 pick for the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, and this, this Keith, um, this really bothers me because I don't want to tell you what I think is going to happen. But I think I know now what's going to happen. And I under, unfortunately, unfortunately, I think they're going to take Andrew Thomas now that Becton uh, had that flag. And I think they're gonna take our boy from Georgia. I, I don't wanna say it! It will draw! Now, Man, I'll this be is, so upset. Before, I won't even give any drama to everyone, babe. Who do I have in my number 10 pick? What's that name say? Andrew Thomas. <laughs> this is in my draft. This is where, in my mock, Mike, this is where I have oh. Thomas going. It's also highlighted. Oh. That's true. <laughs> just, I highlighted it just to break my heart because I really, that's who I really want uh, to just to snap. I know. That's what I, Mike, I, if that's I, that's kind of what I think is going to go on right here. I know. I, and I, oh, Jet fans, please bear with us because we're, I'm just, like, I, I just want, I want to have the guy I want, you know, once in my life. Like, I want my guy, you know, but I just, I have a funny feeling that this isn't going to happen. I think that Andrew Thomas is the best value on the board and I think that if the Browns they would be foolish and um, yeah they're going to go Andrew Thomas here and that leaves our beloved Jets to make the next pick and I will all right you cool cats and kittens (laughs) (laughs) it's that time for that final number 11 pick we've been waiting for for the New York Jets Keith this is this is what I think Mike I think that what have we been talking about nonstop for months as the Jets' biggest weakness, the biggest hole, the biggest obvious flaw to the team, to the success right. of Sam, it's offensive line. And we get here now, all the way through the process, all the tape, you have all the prospects laid out in front of you. If the draft 
goes down the way that I just said, and all and Worf's is gone, and Will's is gone, and Thomas is gone, and he gets to number eleven to the New York Jets. I don't see how they don't draft oh. Makai Beck, <laughs> Louisville. Now let, let's just get into it, Mike. If the Jets step on the field to go to battle with another team and you line the field up, all the players from left to right, do you remember the scene in Black Panther when they lined up and the beef was just about to break out? Then M'Baku came out M'Baku. with the Jabari from the side, Mike? Giant monster comes to the front line? I want, I want M'Baku on my team. And I don't care. We gotta see how this plays out, Mike, but if Pecton is there at 11, he's a monstrosity. And I know he has to work on some technique, but technique can be worked on. You can't make somebody be 6'7", 360. Look, look, look. He has only 17% body fat. Looks like he's a guy that has, has athleticism and he's large. We haven't seen a presence like this in forever at the, at the, at the um, left tackle position. My problem here... So this is something, if the draft board falls this way, I would want this pick, obviously. And I think all Jet fans would want this pick. What scares me is that Joe Douglas has said he's made a commitment to, to a culture. And here's the thing, even if it's weed, even if it's weed, I want you to think about something. You know you have a combine, you have a meeting where you're going to be tested. You know this. You've been waiting for this your entire life. This is the most important, the most important event in your entire life, okay? And you don't have the wherewithal to make sure. Like if that was me, like say I'm a young kid and I like smoking weed, and I know I've got a job interview that I can't smoke weed, and it's the best job I could ever have. Like I'm not smoking weed for months. Like I'm clean for like months you know what i'm saying like i'm i'm taking every precaution i'm doing everything because this thing means so much to me and the fact that you go to the combine and get flagged on a drug on on some sort of drug now we don't know what the drug is i don't know so i can't i don't want anyone to take my words out of context because do you think this is worse we, we don't know what the situation is yet we're, we're just assuming maybe it's some recreational drug right but do you think this situation is worse than you, somebody like Tunsil that they, he got released with the with, with the bong mask? <laughs> like right from the yeah, I know, no, I and get it. My, I get, I get Tunsil it. dropped to Tunsil's one of the best tackles in the league, and now oh, 17 teams before that wish they took him. So I understand what yeah. you're saying, and I know what you mean with the culture. But you have to find out what it is first, because if it's someone that just just made a dumb decision like that. Uh, if you're if you're hiring from a company, it's not the best look. 100% agree, but it's not necessarily at his age something to judge someone's character by because you don't know him like that. Yeah, and you know what? This has gone through my head. You know how sly and how sleazy Adam Gase is, and I could easily see one of Adam Gase's like minions just blat put this out there so that Beckton falls to the Jets. Like that's I mean that's wow. I know that's conspiracy wow. theory. <laughs> Wow, I like it though. I like it though. But don't put it past Gase. You know how sleazy he is, you know? <laughs> but, you know, again, like you said, I don't know. We don't know what the drug is. What's, what I think, if let's just say it's weed and it or, or a drug that's not good and, it, and Joe Douglas does not like what uh, Beckton did. What I see happening, now what I would do in that case, in this situation, this is what I would do. I would trade 
back with the Atlanta Falcons to 15, get picks, and then I would trade again with the Eagles back to 24 or 25 because they're looking to move up to like 15 to get a receiver, get mad picks, and then go take Josh Jones, left tackle, or uh, or um, the um, the other tackle from uh, Austin Jackson out of USC. But if it USC. just plays out straight, who do you think would just take at 11 in this mock? I, I would have to say... I would have to say that they're not going receiver, and that I want everybody. I want I want everybody to understand that he is not going receiver. The data doesn't make sense, and 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 that's not the type of general manager I believe that uh, um, that this guy is. I don't think Gase. I don't think Gase believes. I think Gase. Yeah. Doesn't believe in the, one of those skill position players being drafted yeah. that high, running back or wide receiver. Yeah. yeah. I think it's either Beckton or they trade out. That's what I say. It's Be- it's Beckton or they trade out. The mock draft draft preview i hope everyone enjoyed that man i hope the draft goes the way we want i hope your and i dream scenarios yours sounded great to me mike i hope mine sounded good to you both those scenarios i think that each of us played out in our dream scenario would put the jets in a much better position next year than they've been in a while the mock draft mike i think both of those mocks that we just mentioned could could plausibly play out that way trades are going to go down though Things are going to go awry. Teams are not going to draft in the slots that we just mentioned, so we'll see how that works out. But thanks, everybody, for joining us. And, if Mike, if anyone does want to get at us, support us, tell their friends about us, or listen to the show in any way, shape, or form, where can they do that? Well, we're hosted on the Elite Sports Radio Network. You can find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spreaker.com. Please follow us on Facebook at AEBG.JetsRadio, on Twitter at AEBG underscore NYJ Podcast, and on Instagram at Jet.AEBG. And... Everybody, we forgot to mention, NFL Draft coming up this Thursday. Keith and I will be live on the Weapons Hot Podcast to bring you the first 11 picks and give our opinions as we go through the NFL Draft. Very excited to get on and see how this is all going to play out. You all know the AEBG official mock draft. And how accurate will be, we'll find out on Thursday. You heard the man on behalf of the biggest Jet fan in the state of Texas and the Queen Bee Tina Lee. My name is Keith Farrell. Good at you every- next week, everybody. Peace out. Bye. Hey, this is Sean Amos, and uh, they say it ain't easy being green. Are you ready? The New York Jets can beat anybody in the world, and I think we're going to win next Sunday. The New York Jets. I think Jet fans. Jet fans. Jet fans. Jet fans. Bird, Bird. Very passionate. Bird, Bird. Thank you, all you fans. They got their guy. Darnold falling to the Jets. Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold. That's such an upside. I think Jet fans. Very passionate. Brady sucks. Don't be the sucks. Call the number leaders.